Uh, hello, everybody. Keith here. This is the first episode of the new Rebel Civics show on Unsafe Space. Um, this is going to be an education and a discussion show covering the principles of society and government. Uh, we're going to go through the concepts that America was founded upon, a history of development of the principles, and consideration of current events relative to the, these fundamentals. I'm going to concentrate on the principles. Uh, the name Rebel Civics, um, it comes from the word rebel, which uh, this is a conglomerate of various definitions that I combined and made one. So rebel is a person who is disobedient to unjust authority and stands up to fundamental principles despite convention and despite the opinion of others. So it's somebody that thinks for himself, um, may listen to other opinions, but willing to uh, go against the grain. That's a rebel. Civics is the principles of government rights and responsibilities of citizens in society. If you look up the definition of civics, there's all kinds of definitions and it goes into like what social studies is now. So I see this show as being a uh, pushback against what is commonly social studies in a lot of government schools right now. Uh, this is gonna be a fundamental civics class and we're gonna put a lot of weight into what the founders of, of the United States said. Uh, the first episode, I'm using lessons from Ukraine that's been in the news, but I'm not going to talk much about the war. Uh, I just want to use that as a starting point to think about the principles and you know the civics implications of what's going on in Ukraine. Um, the uh, there's been warnings over many many years of getting involved in European affairs. Um, and it's really getting involved in foreign affairs. If you look at the Middle East, South America, uh, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, um, every time the United States government and military gets involved, it usually doesn't go well. As you can see from the Middle East, uh, we've been involved in a lot of countries there. Not a single one is better off than it was before the United States got started. This is a quote. Uh, this is a, what a former president said about this Ukrainian conflict. Uh, he said, the great rule of conduct for us in regard to foreign nations is extending our commercial relations to have with them as little political connection as possible. Europe has a set of primary interests, which to us have none or a very remote relation. Hence, she must be engaged in frequent controversies, the causes of which are essentially foreign to our concerns. Hence, therefore, it must be unwise for us to implicate ourselves by artificial ties into the ordinary vicissitudes of her politics or the ordinary combinations and collisions of her friendships and amenities. Um, that was a former president. You, you might guess that wasn't uh, Barack Obama or uh, Reagan or Eisenhower. Um, that was George Washington in uh, 1796 in his farewell address. Uh, he did his second term basically to keep the United States out of conflict going on in Europe. Uh, that, that was the reason his, uh, his second campaign consisted of them bringing him into Congress and they saying, if we elect you, which, which is the electoral college, uh, would you do it another time? And he said, okay, and went back to his farm. Uh, that was, and he wasn't a member of any political party. Uh, he was adamant in his warning not to get involved in Europe. And we see this now, what happens when we when the United States does. There's an expense problem with it. 
there's a risk problem with it and just being entangled in their internal affairs is not a it it will result in a disaster and what i see going on right now in ukraine uh, i don't know if they'll successfully start world war three but there seems like there's a lot of people that are trying to do that uh we don't have the money to do it they're sending a billion dollars right now uh where's that come from guess what they borrow it from your grandchildren and they're printing it devaluing the dollar so if you want to know why the gas prices are up here's another reason and there's a lot of risk. We're talking about a conflict with Putin has more nuclear weapons than any other country in the world. And between the United States and Russia, we're talking about 90 percent. So here's a conflict which could result anywhere from Biden failing to get reelected to wiping out 90 percent of the surface of the earth. Uh, this could be anywhere in between those two. The. Uh, a point I want to make about this, now this gets, this is the civics nature of this, and we're just using Ukraine to lead into the topic. Uh, Crimea and the two Donbass republics, Donetsk and Luhansk, they are not part of Ukraine, and they haven't been since 2014. Uh, they've declared themselves independent after the, the coup overthrew the democratically elected government of Ukraine and a uh, pro very pro-U.S., pro-Europe, pro-West person was installed, selected by the U.S. State Department. But I'll talk about that a little later. Um, there was a coup, and these people of those three areas voted to secede from Ukraine. Uh, there were very high numbers of votes. It's hard to tell what the totals are, uh, but all reports are that it was overwhelmingly in favor of leaving. I uh, have to keep in mind that all three of these republics are primarily Russian. They speak Russian there. They're Russian culture. They're part of Russia, a lot of, a lot of their history. So when we hear the news and the politicians talking about Russia annex Crimea, that is false. That is blatant lie. That is not what happened there. Crimea voted to leave Ukraine. They seceded. They formed an independent republic. They petitioned to join Russia, and Russia accepted them. The other two republics, who call them the Donbass areas, uh, oblasts, or there's various names for what you want to call them. They're administrative units under you know communist kind of rule. Um, they formed a separate republics, and they are independent. Once they did that, they were not accepted into Russia, and they've been independent since 2014, even though most governments in the world have not recognized that, including Ukraine. Um, Russia, however, recognized them recently, early this year, as independent, which uh, was part of how this hostility started. So the point I want to make here is when we talk about Russia invading Ukraine, uh, Crimea, Donbass, and Luhansk don't count. They are not part of Ukraine. They're, the, the people have the right to form their own government. Um, this is the concept of self-governance, and this is a basic fundamental principle. It's inherent right of people. Uh, if there's anything that's one of the most important civic subjects, it's that people have the right to determine their own form of government. I was going to read a quote here. This is from the Declaration of Independence, uh, mostly written by Thomas Jefferson. Uh, Thomas Jefferson says, to secure these rights, governments are instituted 
among men. Basically, he's defining the purpose of government means to protect rights, to secure rights. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form. So to them shall she most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So what he's saying is when the government becomes oppressive, the people have the right to, to form a new one that government always derives its just power from the consent of the governed. Uh, continue on. When a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. That's what the people of Donbass, Luhansk, and Crimea did in 2014 after the Ukrainian government was overthrown and the president was replaced with a hand-picked installed person and they were not happy. The, uh, the, I'm not going to get into the policies because that doesn't matter to the civics question. The question is, do people have the right to choose their own form of government or are people serfs, subjects to an empire? That's the only question here. If you wish to argue on this point, uh, I'd like you to keep in mind that you're also arguing with Thomas Jefferson. I'm siding with Thomas Jefferson on this question. He's not here to say, but I'm reasonably sure from reading a lot of Founders and Thomas Jefferson writings, uh, there would be no question here. Thomas Jefferson would be on the side of Debosque and Luhansk to declare themselves independent and that they are not part of Ukraine. If for those that disagree, that think that Ukraine had the right to shell killing 14,000 people in Donbass and Luhansk in the last eight years, um, you, you're, you're someone that would have been on the side of the king in 1775. It's the same position. So when the uh, in Massachusetts, when they were hiding their munitions and their arms in Lexington and Concord, and General Gage sent the troops to confiscate their guns, um, did you, would you side with the king or would you side with the rebels? Um, most people today, they learned that we're supposed to side with the rebels. In 1776, we're supposed to be on the side of the Continental Congress, not, not the king and the redcoats. Uh, it's the same question here in Crimea. And uh, I'm hitting this one hard because it's a point that I do not see in the, the mainstream media. I very rarely see it online. Um, but it's a, it's a critical point. Are people ruled by their government or do people get to choose their own government? The, the government can infringe on a right. When I use the word right, I'm talking about an inherent natural right that, that we have as part of being human. The right of self-governance is part of the right to own your own body. It's all related. So you own your body, you own this, the output of your labor, you get to decide how you wish to have a government or if you wish to have none. That's up to the people. Um, the opposite of that is a form of tyranny. Uh, the government can infringe on a right, but it can't take it away. So 
You know, for example, the people in North Korea have the right to keep and bear arms. Now, if they try to do it, they'll be killed. That's the government infringing on the right. Um, should never say that the government granted a right. Governments don't grant a right. The Constitution doesn't grant a right. Uh, slightly off topic here, but I will sometimes push back with people that understand if they say Second Amendment right, there's no such thing as a Second Amendment right. You have the right to keep and bear arms. Second Amendment does not grant any right to anybody because the Constitution doesn't do that. Uh, the Bill of Rights doesn't grant rights. It just recognizes them. Uh, the next topic I was going to get into is the declaration of war and the commander in chief. So you see what's going on in this Ukraine example. Um, Biden send a billion dollars in aid to Ukraine. Uh, we're sending weapons. Um, and by we, I'm talking about the American government, not me, because I'm not part of that decision, even though via theft, I have to fund it. So the American government is sending large amounts of cash, weapons, advice, equipment. They're picking a side in this. And this is exactly what President Washington warned us against. Secondly, uh, some of the acts of war include helping in a war by providing weapons. It includes sanctions. Sanctions are an act of war. So as far as war goes, like the United States is already involved in this war and has been for many years. But certainly this year, the United States is heavily involved in this war. And this was done without Congress declaring war. So this, this is illegal. Like Biden does not have the authority to send a billion dollars, does not have the authority to do sanctions. Those are both acts of war. I was going to read another quote here. Uh, this is from the Declaration of Independence, from the Constitution. Uh, Article 1 in the Constitution defines what Congress is allowed to do. Uh, every power that Congress rightly exercises is expressly delegated in this little book. Uh, it's not very long. It's not very many powers. So Article 1, Section 8 is a list of everything Congress is allowed to do. It says Congress shall have the power to, and then it lists some things. One of the things is to declare war. So Congress shall have the power to declare war. It doesn't say the president shall have the power to declare war. Uh, he's not even allowed to do that. Um, the only exception to that has been if the United States is attacked and there's not time to get Congress together, he can defend the United States until uh, Congress can be gathered to declare war. And with today's communications and travel, that would happen very quickly. I mean, it only took three days in World War II to do this when Pearl Harbor was bombed. And uh, travel is a lot better than it was in the 30s and 40s. So only Congress is allowed to do that. Uh, the president is not allowed to do that. What the president does have the power to do is covered in Article 2, Section 2 of the book. Uh, this says, the president shall be commander in chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the militia of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States. What this means fundamentally is that the president is the commander of chief when a war is declared. So the president does not have the constitutional authority to direct troops to do any aggressive, violent act in a foreign country unless war is declared. The last time that was done was World War II. So the last legal war that was conducted by a U.S. president was World War II. 
Every one of them, everyone since then has been illegal. Every president since then could be impeached for starting a war unconstitutionally. That's a violation of the oath of office. Uh, Biden has already passed that with the sanctions. Uh, my opinion is that he could be impeached for the sanctions and for other actions he's taken with Ukraine. If you go back into the history, Biden has been out this at this for years, all the way back to the Obama administration and perhaps when he was a senator. Um, he was involved in the in the coup at history. Um, had another article I wanted to quote from. It's uh, on the Florida Tenther site. It's by Robert E. Wright. Why declare war? Alexander Hamilton says, the president is to be commander in chief of the army and navy of the United States. In this respect, his authority would be nominally the same with that of the king of Great Britain, but in substance, much inferior to it. It would amount to nothing more than the supreme command and direction of the military and naval forces as first general and admiral of the Confederacy, while that of the British king extends to the declaring of war and the raising and regulating of fleets and armies, all of which by the Constitution under consideration would appertain to the legislature. Uh, this is part of, uh, this was in one of the Federalist papers, uh, Federalist 69. And it's written by Alexander Hamilton, by the way, who's who's one of the big government guys. I often disagree with him. Um, but in this case, he's correct. This is what the Constitution was about. This is this is written at the time when Alexander Hamilton was working to convince New York to accept the Constitution as part of the ratification, you know, leading up to the ratification of the Constitution. What he's saying here is that it's critical not to put the declaration of war power and the funding of war, the raising of regulating fleets, as he calls it, um, and armies, and the actual operation of the war in one person. That's a king. That's been a disaster throughout history when the same person can do that. And what has been happening in the United States since World War II is we've given this king power to presidents. We've allowed the presidents um, I shouldn't use the word give because no one gave it to them. They just took it and nobody did anything about it. So the reason we have all these wars going on right now, one of the reasons um, is that we've allowed the president to act like a king and declare war, uh, appropriate money, basically just calling for money. So, OK, send them a billion dollars. Congress just goes along. They're complicit. They're in on it. Um, but the idea of the Constitution was to separate this because they saw 500 years of European history and the disaster that happens when you have a king both declaring war and running the war. The problem is that when you do that, that person has conflict of interest. So in the United States, legally, constitutionally, the question of deciding whether we're in a state of war or a state of peace is left up to the legislature. And the legislature, one half of the legislature, the House of Representatives, represents the people. The other half represents the states. So it's those two entities that decide whether we're at war and whether at peace, not a president. President has a conflict of interest. Okay, you can put that down. I... Looked up some Ukrainian history. So one of these questions is like, what is Ukraine? Um, a lot of us didn't even know where it was before this happened. Uh, 
I had a friend that was Ukrainian, so I happened to know about where it was, um, but I never knew very much about it. So I've got a list here. I'm going to run through this. Uh, this is a tangled, tangled web. Um, what is Ukraine? It started out in the, the fourth through seventh centuries. That's when the Slavic community was established in this area. Uh, ninth, in the ninth century, they called it Kievian Rus, which is basically the establishment of the Russian people, the Slavs. Uh, that happened in the ninth century, um, before the year 1000. So this, this goes way back. Oh, and by the way, that started in Kiev. Uh, what, what is now called Kiev. Uh, in the 14th century, Lithuania took over rule of Ukraine, the area called Ukraine. Uh, 1569, Poland, Lithuania were kind of combined. Uh, they were ruling the Ukraine area. They turned the people into, into serfdom. It was a horrible persecution time. Uh, that started in 1569. In the 16th century, Moscow control of the whole area started to grow. Um, with with part of Russia. In 1648, there was a revolution against the harsh Polish rule. Uh, it, was, it was by the Cossacks or the Cossacks. Uh, 1654 through 67, we had the Russia-Russo-Polish War. That led to the partitioning of Ukraine. Um, the eastern part of Ukraine became under Russian rule, and uh, Russia paid Poland for that. Um, that happened in 1686. In uh, 1772 to 95, the Russian Empire conquest of Crimea happened, and that was partitioned further between Poland and Russia. Um, the Russian Empire and Austria controlled all of present-day Ukraine for 100 years after that, starting you know, about when the American Revolution was, the American separation from England. Uh, the next 100 years, it was Russia and Austria. Um, in 1918, Ukraine declared independence. Uh, as far as I could tell, this is actually the first time since like the year 400 that they were really, or the year 900, excuse me, uh, that Ukraine was actually an independent country, not under domination of somebody. Um, anyway, that was 1918. Uh, then in 1919, the Bolshevik Red Army gained control. Uh, they became the Ukrainian Soviet Republic. So that was pretty short-lived, uh, but they were considered independent, if you want to call being part of the of a Soviet communist republic. Um, and this is the, Bol the Bolsheviks took over. Uh, 1922, Ukraine became one of the founding republics of the Soviet Union. Now you could argue over that was an impressive regime running them, but that is actually what happened. Um, and it was, it was Ukrainian. Ukrainian is the language, the culture. Um, but there were areas in it that came from Poland and Lithuania and parts of Russia and and more. I didn't list them all because it uh, became overwhelming. Uh, in 1930s, a Russification program was started by the Soviet Union. They tried to Russify. Uh, that's when the big famine happened. Millions of people died. Um, that's pretty much the only history of Ukraine I know from uh, high school. Uh, we knew about the famine uh, when they were part of Russia. Uh, 1938, a Ukrainian became head of the Ukrainian Communist Party, Khrushchev. Uh, I didn't know this until I looked this up, but uh, Khrushchev is Ukrainian. He was the head of the Ukrainian Commun Communist Party starting in 38. Uh, then World War II, Germany invaded. They invaded Poland. They kind of took over um, and they went into Ukraine. A lot of people viewed them as liberators because they were liberating them from the, uh, basically from the Bolshevists. 
um, from Poland and Russia domination of them, treating them as serfs. Um, but the problem is that these guys were Nazis. Uh, they treated the Slavs horribly, uh, contempt, uh, very harsh during the occupation. So it, even though a lot of people saw it as good at first, it turned out actually, seems like it was actually worse. Um, anyway, that was in World War II. And we all know how World War II ended. Uh, Soviet Union was was formed. Uh, if you remember your history, Russia was our ally back then. Uh, they were our buddies in getting rid of Germany. Just need a common enemy, uh, and then we will jump in, and then the United States will switch sides later. So in World War II, Russia was an ally um, in, let's see, where am I at? 1953. Uh, there's a lot of stuff was happening around then. Uh, 1953, Stalin died. When that happened, Khrushchev was appointed the head of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. Um, so he went from being part of, you know, being head of the Ukraine Communist Party, basically the Ukraine Republic, whatever you want to call it, Ukraine Soviet Republic. He became head of the Communist Party of Soviet Union. Uh, that's when we started hearing about Khrushchev. Uh, and uh, yeah, he was all over Cold War for many years. Certainly back when I was a kid, we heard about him. Um, in 1954, uh, this was partially assisted by Khrushchev uh, being in control of the Soviet Union. There was a Ukrainian revival. Um, that's when Crimea was administratively transferred from Russia to Ukraine. Uh, so you, you, Crimea has been, it, it, you could do it down the same list with Crimea itself. Uh, all kind of people involved in that, Turkey and Austria. And I didn't want to even get into that. But Crimea was part of Russia. In 54, it was transferred to Ukraine. It didn't really matter because everybody answered to the Kremlin. Uh, they were just administrative units of the Soviet Union. Um, he did it as part of, appears to be, um, it, it's part of kind of a Ukrainian revival because you now had a Ukrainian in charge of the Soviet Union. Um, and then uh, fast forward to 91, Ukraine became an independent nation when the Soviet Union broke up. So in like we're talking thousands of years, I just went back uh, almost 1500 years here. Um, it was 91 when Ukraine became independent, uh, when the Soviet Union. And uh, interestingly, the, the word Ukraine translates as at the border. Like that's what the word means, or borderland. Um, Ukraine has been a mess of a conflict. It's 1,500 years of occupation, uh, lines moving around, uh, Poland, Lithuania, Russia, Germany, and more. Um, this is all very recent history. So now I'm going to talk about the current war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine. This really got started. You could say this, you can go back to 1991. When the Cold War ended, there was no peace dividend. Um, the military industrial complex in the United States uh, needed enemies. They needed something to do. They wanted to continue expanding NATO. Um, certainly people like Ron Paul were saying, drop NATO. NATO's whole purpose was to counter the Soviet Union. They should have ended NATO in 1991. Uh, my opinion is if they had done that, this probably wouldn't be going on today. Um, if we And if we stayed out of European affairs, this won't be happening. So since 1991, um, uh, some of the things that have happened in Ukraine, uh, I'm going to jump ahead to 
10, 15 years ago, uh, there's an election. I will put up the election chart. Um, the Ukraine people are not one nation. If you look at the election chart, the area on the Polish side, uh, they are heavily pro-Europe. Uh, there's a lot of Polish people there. Um, speak Ukrainian and Russian. Uh, the center maybe is Ukraine, what we should call Ukraine. And the eastern part, Crimea, Donbass, both Donbass republics, um, they're Russian, they're Russian culture. They've lived most of their lives under rule of Poland or Lithuania or Russia. Um, the people there culturally are used to being ruled. Uh, they want, I don't know if they want it, but that is the normal thing. They're basically very pro-Russia. So when you look at the voting chart, what you see is overwhelmingly for the pro-Russia or at least neutral to slightly Russia side, um, overwhelmingly voted. The middle's kind of mixed and the West side overwhelmingly for Europe. So this is a mess. That, that creates a mess. The problem is that it shouldn't be one country and shouldn't be one nation. Uh, that, that's and that's what we're seeing happening right now. I think we're just seeing the uh, the output of of this problem where these lines are artificially drawn. Um, anyway, so as NATO expanded into that election, um, when in 2014 there was a coup, uh, this is sometimes called a revolution. Uh, it's sometimes uh, called by other names, but coup is the right name for this. Um, the U.S., the CIA, the U.S. State Department, heavily involved. Um, I won't get into it. There's been other unsafe space shows, and uh, there's other sources you can read about. Secretary of, Secretary of State John Kerry, Ambassador Pyatt, uh, Victoria Nuland, and Biden, all over this, back from the Obama administration. So when, when you hear Biden make a slip up, like, we got to, you know, Putin has got to be out of power, like he just made this week in a speech. Like, of course, we need to remove Putin. That's the whole reason we're doing all this. I'm paraphrasing. I don't recall exactly what he said, but I think that was a, uh, a slip up on Biden parts. He's he's a little senile and he accidentally blurted out the truth under pressure. He wasn't reading from his um, his cue cards there. Uh, that's a problem. Sometimes when you put people like that in public, every once in a while they bur blurt out the truth. So listen when they say that sort of thing. The American goal here is regime change in Russia, and Putin is very well aware of that. Uh, the phone conversation between Ambassador Pyatt and Secretary of State Victoria Nuland uh, right before the coup in 2014, where they handpicked who they wanted to be president of Ukraine. And uh, that's what happened. Um, so we've been involved by we, I mean, to correct myself, the United States government has been involved in this replacement of power in Ukraine for decades um, and also in Russia. Uh, the In 2014, so after the coup, uh, there was huge uh, pro-Western changes in the government. All kinds of things were changing. Uh, they were even talking about banning the Russian language. They're taking Russia away as an unofficial language. Uh, the uh, new president starts talking about joining NATO. Uh, the U.S. is conducting joint operations. The CIA is training um, snipers and other military personnel 
basically training Ukrainian military how to kill Russians. Um, they're sending them all kinds of equipment. This is going on in 2014, early 2014. That's when Crimea, Donetsk, and Luhansk, they secede. And so they're no longer part of Ukraine, as I started in the beginning. Uh, Crimea joins Russia. Um, Putin had a very good reason for wanting that because the only deep water all-year port is in Crimea. And Russia had been leasing that whole huge military base, Navy port, uh, ever since you, the Soviet Union broke up. So the, the Russian fleet, without that port, uh, can't, can't go to sea or come back in the winter because the other ports all freeze in in the winter. So they couldn't, they couldn't lose that. Uh, I assume that both Europe, uh, NATO, the United States, they recognize that, like that would be a line that Putin would not allow crossed if we objected. So basically Crimea was let go and joined Russia. Um, and as I started with, they had the right to do so. Donetsk and Luhansk, on the other hand, uh, Russia did not admit them. They stayed uh, independent republics. And what happened is Ukraine started a war with them. So it's the war on Donbass that's been going on for eight years. Uh, CNN reported there's been 14,000 14, people killed. Uh, they're just shell regularly. Uh, 1.5 million people in the Donbass have been displaced from their homes because of this war. This is, this is the Ukrainian government conducting a war against those two republics, um, basically for leaving Ukraine. They're trying to, trying to annex back in. So Crimea was not annexed by Russia, but Ukraine has been trying to annex Donetsk and Luhansk for eight years and killing people doing it. So from 2014 to 2022, there's been a war going on in Ukraine. It was started by the Ukrainian government against Donetsk and Luhansk. Um, February 21st, the Russian government formally recognized Donetsk and Luhansk. Uh, that created a stir. Uh, up then, the UN, uh, US, Europe, they weren't recognizing that. Everybody still talked about them as part of Ukraine, even though as I pointed out from Thomas Jefferson, uh, those were independent republics um, and they were at war with Ukraine. Uh, then on uh, February 24th, that's when the Putin invasion started. Um, my view is if Putin went into uh, Donbass, if he just stayed within Donetsk and Luhansk and stopped the Ukrainian military shelling and killing and uh, attempting to take back Donetsk and Luhansk, um, you could argue that was a defensive action. Uh, when he first went in, I was hoping that it was what he was doing. Now, he's not doing that. So people that say Putin's crazy, I, I don't know. I don't want to discuss his motives, and it's not part of a civics class. But the war was started at least in, in 2014. Um, it didn't start on February 24th of this year. It's been going on for eight years. Uh, the U.S. is involved. NATO's involved. Uh, Poland's involved. Germany's involved. Um, everybody, you, you often hear, not everybody, but we often hear this concept that Putin did an unprovoked invasion. That's just ludicrous. Should laugh at that claim. Uh, this, is, this has been a decades-long preparation and provoking. Um, 
do a search on Ron Paul Ukraine 2014 coup. You'll see very clear warning. Ron Paul knew and was telling them before, you know, in December of 2013 and early 2014, telling them you guys are going to start a war. Like what you're doing will start a war. Uh, he was right. It took eight years for Putin to evade, but they successfully started it. Uh, so February 24th was the invasion. On February 25th, I wrote an article. If you want to pop that up, Beverly, will they successfully start World War III? So I wrote this on uh, February 25th. I actually wrote it on uh, late February 24th, uh, the day they invaded and uh, uncovered DC, published it right away, thanks to those folks. Um, it's one step closer, I said. The US and Russia have been rattling sabers since the week after the Cold War. Russia and the US both upped their game this week with pro-war rhetoric, rhetoric and aggressive military moves in Eastern Europe. And I go through some of the cases. Uh, I use the picture here of from, um, might recognize the Statue of Liberty on the beach. Putin's drawing a line in sand at NATO expansion. Uh, that's what he's doing. Um, he doesn't want missile launch sites in Europe close to Moscow. Um, he's saying, yeah, that's how I look at it. I'm not apologizing for Putin. Uh, what he's doing is evil. I don't like to see this, don't want to see this, but it's important to recognize when people say what they're doing and then do it, um, you should take that into account. So he's been egged on. And Biden is saying, game on, let's do this, paraphrasing it. Now, I don't know what the U.S. is going to do next, but I didn't know on February 25th, but I actually pretty much guessed this is what they were going to do. I'm glad they haven't started a new fly zone yet. That requires a declaration of war from Congress. Um, we don't know what the response is going to be here. Uh, if you want to go down, I have the quote from a former president on this with his picture. And uh, took a little liberty here. The picture is actually George Washington giving his um, resignation speech. This is, uh, I took this picture in the uh, Annapolis State House, which is the oldest state house still in operation uh, in the United States. Um, this is where the Continental Congress met to, to um, decide that they were going to write a new constitution. Uh, this is before they started in, uh, in the Philadelphia. Um, anyway, this is a picture of George Washington, full disclosure. He's a statue uh, of George Washington. He's giving his resignation letter at the end of the Revolutionary War to, uh, to Congress, um, which met in Annapolis at this time. Um, I'm going to read it again because I enjoy reading the words of these guys. Um, you have to be homeschooled to write like this. The great rule of conduct for us in regard to foreign nations is in extending our commercial relations to have with them as little political connection as possible. Europe has a set of primary interests which to us have none or a very remote relation. Hence, she must be engaged in frequent controversies, the causes of which are essentially foreign to our concerns. This was, a, this was a good warning. Congress should pay attention to this warning. Uh, the president should pay attention to this warning. George Washington was right, Mr. Biden. Um, be careful here. Uh, we don't want to see World War III, and that's what you're messing with. That's, the, that's a possible outcome of this. I don't know what the risk is, but it's definitely a possible outcome. Rattling sabers with a nuclear power is not a good idea. All right, conclusion here. Uh, people are not their government. So don't say Russia. I don't say Russia did this. The United States did that. 
I often accidentally say it because you hear it so often, but it's actually the Russian government, Putin, the Kremlin is doing something. Uh, the Russian people are are mostly going about their business. Um, if if uh, you see the suppression of speech in the United States and social media, um, so, so it can be hard to figure out what the majority of people in the United States think. Uh, just imagine what Russia is like when a newscaster can hold up a sign that says, stop the war, and she's immediately arrested. Uh, people protesting in front of the Kremlin get rounded up and carted off to jail. Um, that's not a place where it's easy to figure out what the people want. Uh, but it's clear there's a lot of people in Russia that are objecting to this. So that's why I don't say Russia did this. People are not their government. Uh, second point, remember, Ukraine is not one nation. It's far from it. Um, there's a huge variety of, of people there with very different interests. Um, and we're talking Polish and Ukrainian and Russian. And the parts that broke away are mostly Russian. Um, saying that you support, saying that you oppose an action of a government is not support for another government. Um, the false dichotomy you see all over everything today, where you say, if you say um, anything uh, about Putin, you say, well, maybe Putin did this for a reason, you get attacked as a Putin supporter. I said, no, actually, if you look into it, the Ukrainian government is corrupt and terrible. Uh, the US government is bad. The Russian government is bad. Uh, NATO is horrible. Um, I'm not sure Poland's very good. Um, we are not defending a democracy. Ukraine is one of the most corrupt Western governments there is. It's not that far off from Russia. Um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty corrupt government. Um, Ukraine is far from a democracy. Uh, protecting Ukraine from Russia is not defending a democracy. Uh, the president, one of his first actions in the Russian invasion was to make it illegal for men to leave the country. So any, you know, uh, I don't recall the ages, but it's a huge range. Um, if you're male and you can walk and hold a gun, you're not allowed to leave. Uh, that's not a, that's not what a, the ideal democracy is. Uh, that's a prison. That's a slave state. Uh, he combined all the media agencies into the state. Like there's no such thing as a free press now. Um, he made the opposition party illegal. Uh, he's, he's arresting um, basically dissidents. Um, this guy, we call him the president, uh, and but uh, he sounds a lot like Khrushchev when Khrushchev was in charge of Ukraine. Um, these, that mindset is a culture mindset, and I don't know how many people are used to it, but you certainly see that going on. Um, the question of this war, this war did not start on February 24th, 2022, with Putin invasion. Um, it at least started at absolute minimum. It started in 2014 when the uh, government uh, of Ukraine was overthrown, basically. Um, the, the president escaped by helicopter while his fake motorcade was being shot at by snipers. Um, that was 2014. Ukrainian government has been shelling the, the breakaway republics of Donetsk and Luhansk ever since then, eight years, uh, killed a lot of people. Uh, there's a war has been going on in Ukraine since 1914. 
Um, and you can back up further than that. This was being set up by NATO and US and Russia and Ukraine and this whole squabble with uh, them joining NATO, them getting nuclear weapons. This goes way back. So the question of when did this war start and who started it? Putin is not the answer. February 24th, 2022 is not the answer. Um, you can you could probably go back to 1991. It's not as clear, but at least 2014. Um, and I'll just close this by with a reminder that people have the right of self-governance. Um, if you disagree with Donetsk and Luhansk, the Donbass provinces, leaving Ukraine, if you disagree with Crimea leaving Ukraine and joining Russia, then you also, if you're rationally consistent, you have to disagree with Virginia and Massachusetts leaving Great Britain in 1776. It's the same question. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production may corrupt previous psychological programming. If you encounter any of the following individuals, Please administer government-issued neurotoxin immediately. I'm not sure what the neurotoxin will do because I am not a biologist. CRT is a complex legal theory that is needed to combat the epidemic of racist babies. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice courtesy. Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.